guest today recently co-authored a paper that could be used to help businesses better understand their markets. Good morning. This is Fordham Conversations. I'm Robin Shannon. On this week's show, I'm joined by Dr. Mohammed Najad. He's an assistant professor of marketing at Fordham University's Gabelli School of Business. Good morning, Professor Najad. Good morning. So your study looks at what could happen to a company's profit if a customer is disappointed and begins to express that disappointment with something that you call negative word of mouth. So, Professor, what are some examples of negative word of mouth? Well, negative word of mouth in this specific study is when customers become disappointed with a specific product or a service and they start expressing their disappointment to their acquaintances, anybody that they know, whether it's their friends, their family members, etc. For example, this summer we had our refrigerator broke and we signed up for a, a complete warranty from the manufacturer, but they didn't fix it. So long story short, uh, we didn't have a refrigerator for about two months. So as a result, everybody who knew us now is so much against that brand because they know what happened to us. So that's what I mean by negative word of mouth. I'm upset with the product. I didn't like it or I had a bad experience with the product or with the brand. And I start expressing my uh, negative opinion or negative experiences with the people that I know. It can be in the form of face-to-face -face conversations. It can be online conversations like Facebook, Instagram, etc. But that's basically what we mean by negative word of mouth. So that seems like it puts a lot of power into the consumer. So how did your study figure out everything out. Explain how your study works. Okay. This study focuses on what we call it market heterogeneity, which is whether everybody in the market is generating the same amount of revenue or different people are having different amount that they spend on the product or on the service. We focused on the service, but um, you can think about it as cable companies or broadcasters. In a market like a small uh, town, probably more or less everybody is spending uh, roughly the same amount of money on their services. Everybody is probably from the same background, from the same socio and economic status. So more or less all of them may spend somewhere about $100 maybe. But if you go to New York City, then you have different people with different purchasing power. Some may only sign up for an internet connection, $40 a month. And some may use all the online add-on services, pay-per-view, etc., and their bills may go up to a few hundred dollars. So the market is more heterogeneous. Uh, you can also think about it as a luxury product. Usually in luxury markets, the market is highly heterogeneous. Some people spend a lot and some people spend little. But in certain grocery products, everybody is more or less spending the same amount of money. So what we did was because we wanted to see if this fact, which we call it whether everybody is spending the same or people are spending differently, we wanted to see does this affect how much negative word of mouth would reduce the firm profit. So I become disappointed. I start uh, expressing my negative opinion to others. On the other hand, we know that the bottom line is that the firm may or may not lose some money because of this uh, disappointment. So we were looking at these two factors, negative word of mouth effect on, um, on firm profits 
And here, does that heterogeneity make any difference? Now, when it comes to profit, Professor, can a word of mouth really affect profits that much from a company? Yes, it has been proven that negative word of mouth significantly reduces firm profits. In certain areas, we have examples that somebody had problem with an airline or with a product or with a coffee chain company, and they posted videos on YouTube or elsewhere. And this video was watched by millions of people. So it has been proven before that negative word of mouth does reduce firm profits. What was unknown was uh, whether this factor that I just explained does have any effect. And uh, so this was what we basically examined in our study. So the word of mouth is not just me telling my neighbor. The word of mouth is me possibly posting something online, possibly tweeting about it. Uh, so it's kind of branched out. So I would think that I would think that social media has a big hand in the negative word of mouth. How many social media sites did your study look at? Well, that's a great point that you raised because, yes, in fact, 20 years ago, communication between customers, between consumers was so limited. Uh, the communication was either face-to-face -face or mail or it was phone, landline phones. Today, it's cell phones, it's text messaging, it's all the social media websites and all the changes that is happening in that area. So what we did was we used a simulation modeling method, whereas uh, we took, because all of these are what-if analysis, so we basically took the social uh, network structure, which means who is connected to who from 10 different social um, networks. This includes Facebook, Google+, and Twitter. Uh, we had from AnyBeat, which is a uh, which is another social media. It doesn't exist anymore, but it was an old one. Uh, we had customer online reviews. Uh, we had students' networks. So we had ten different social networks. What we did was we examined what if this is the market, and what if the firm introduces a product. And what happened? We imagined the firm would introduce a new service to this market, and we captured how much the outcome is going to be, how much profit they make. Then we assumed that if in this market, let's say one person of customers become disappointed and start communicating negative word of mouth, then how much the profit would change. So we were able, by this methodology, we were able to compare the actual, let's say, a market where nobody is dissatisfied and a market where one person would be dissatisfied, half a person, two person, three person. In total, we examined over 2.1 million markets, meaning product markets. So 2.1 million products or services that were introduced to a market, what happened in this situation? And so it was, the study was quite comprehensive. So just to back up, Professor Nejad, so in the simulation, did you simulate a product or did you use actual products that are in the market now? Well, no, we simulated the products. But all the information that we used in this simulation was coming from other studies and from empirical data. So everything that we said, we said, okay, this product has these characteristics. Where does these characteristics come from? From other studies. What were you trying to find out? Was this information more for marketers and businesses or was this more? Because it sounds like it's 
communication based and it could have benefits in the communication realm. So was it businesses who will benefit or communication or who benefits the best? Well, uh, the thing is that there's an area called diffusion of innovations. This is a multidisciplinary area between marketing, between innovation, communication. It can be talked of as a product, as a uh, message, etc. So uh, what this study really benefits, this is the multidisciplinary area that I'm, that I'm uh, doing uh, studies on. But um, the actual findings of this study can benefit all groups, primarily businesses, marketers, and it can be the managers or it can be the researchers because this study shows that this is an important factor that uh, other studies and marketers need to pay more attention to. Now, you said something, diffusion innovation. Yes. What does that mean exactly? Okay. Well, diffusion <laughs> of innovation is basically how do members of a social group or members in the market start adopting a new product that is being introduced to the market. So when you start, and the, to give you uh, the big picture, when you introduce a new product to the market, initially you have to communicate it to customers. It's done usually via advertising. It can be also experts' opinion, etc. But some people start adopting it. So usually the people, the number of adopters is not um, that many. Gradually, these adopters will also start communicating to others, and everybody's hearing messages from uh, from advertisers. They also are looking for somebody who has actually used it. Once they have all the information, they adopt the product, meaning they buy it, or if it's a service, they sign up for this service. And suddenly, the sales would, for successful products, suddenly the sales would start going up. Uh, so it significantly goes up until most of the market has already adopted it. So this is what we call usually um, diffusion. So if I have a product, I've come up with a new kind of candy. So what I'm trying to do now is get word of mouth out about the candy in different realms so that people will eventually speak good things about it and then get to the point of buying it. Exactly. Correct? How much does advertising, commercials, how much does that play into your work? Initially, when a product is being introduced, advertising is the primary force behind adopting the product. As people start adopting it, then word of mouth becomes more important. And again, this can be different for different types of products. If there's a heavy investment involved in a product, if it's risky, whether it's social risk, it's financial risk, it's technological risk, uh, then you would rely more on word of mouth, more on what others would tell you. Whereas if it's less risky, it's low pr uh, priced, then advertising will have uh, more effect. But it really is case by case. But um, usually we have three tiers. One is the, what the marketers are telling us. The other one is what other people are, are telling us, which is the word of mouth. And finally, my own experiences. If you have your own experiences, then it really doesn't matter what others are telling you. You're using your first-hand experience. Same thing with word of mouth is usually stronger than advertising, but it depends. It depends on the product, but usually word of mouth is stronger. And there is research that shows that negative word of mouth is stronger than positive word of mouth. 
Oh, so if I say something is good, less people will believe that it's good necessarily. But if I say something is bad and put that out there, there's a chance that more people will believe it. Yes, or uh, exactly because there are many different explanations we can give for that. But one is that if I accept your word that this is a good product, I have to buy it. Mm-hmm. Right. Or if I want to buy it. So I have to spend something. Whereas if you tell me this is bad, it's I have enough reason to say, you know what, I don't want to spend that money. So so there's uh, extra steps taken in the process of going from I trust Robin to sit, you know, with her and her new candy brand and from her candy brand. Now I'm going to actually have to do something and buy it as opposed to say Robin said that was bad. I'm not even going to bother doing anything with it. And exactly. Buy it. Yeah. exactly. And people try to avoid risks more than um, gaining something. And taking chances. Yeah. Fordham conversations couldn't be made without your help. WFUV is member supported non-commercial public radio. We rely on your membership to help us pay for and produce the music, news and public affairs shows like Fordham conversations that you enjoy. To become a member, call 877-938-8907. That's 877-938-8907. Or make a donation and become a member online at WFUV.org. Selling an unwanted vehicle can be a hassle, but donating it to WFUV is easy. Simply call 888-400-5520 or visit WFUV.org vehicle to schedule your free and convenient pickup. Your gift qualifies for a tax deduction and supports WFUV. Learn more at WFUV.org vehicle. This is Fordham Conversations on 90.7 WFUV. I'm Robin Shannon talking with Dr. Mohammed Neja an assistant professor of marketing at Fordham University. We're discussing his study that looks at what could happen to a company's profits if a customer is disappointed and begins to express that with something he calls negative word of mouth. So back to your uh, research, uh, Professor Najad. Uh, based on your study, what factors should marketing managers consider uh, in order to offset negative word of mouth? There are several things that is very critical. First of all, they shouldn't take any negative word of mouth as too small. So uh, because of the way, especially the way that nowadays um, um, experiences get communicated with other people, uh, even people who uh, may not generate a lot of profit for the firm, they may talk to others who those people might have huge potential. So um, let's say I am a um, light buyer of this product. I only buy, I don't know, a small amount. But I may tell you, and you might have been a great customer, but because my negative word of mouth went to you, you may stop buying it. So the first thing is that don't take any negative word of mouth as too small. The second one is that consider not only how many people are uh, talking negatively about you, but also consider what is the revenue heterogeneity in your market. And firms can easily do that. They can look at their internal databases. For most firms, they, can, they have some form of databases. Imagine in supermarkets, you usually have your, uh, you get your barcode scanned so they know who you are. In most companies, they have that. Amazon.com, all the online retailers know how many customers they have who are heavy buyers, how many they have which is small buyers. So the second point is that when they want to evaluate the effect of negative word of mouth on their profits, 
they have to think about heterogeneity of revenue as well. And so if your market is more heterogeneous, meaning that people are buying uh, different patterns. Like uh, in a big city. Like in a big city. Or your product type is something that people have different uh, spending habits, like a luxury product. Then you have to be more concerned than if your market is highly homogeneous. So the third factor that, again, we examined it relates to the saying that birds of the same feather flock together. So the point is that if these heavy spenders are talking to other heavy spenders, then this negative word of mouth is going to kill the product regardless of uh, what the product is. In fact, about 25,000 innovations are being introduced in the market. And 75% of innovations related to customers, consumers, do not meet the minimum expectations. And only 3% of them are highly profitable. There was a report in 2015 by Accenture that says that, says that firms lose over $6.5 billion annually across the world due to customer negative experiences. So these numbers are huge. It's just telling us how much negative word of mouth might be destructive to a company. Professor Najad, can we back up just a little bit? So you mentioned a company that you had a bad experience with. Do you think your negative experience with that company that you mentioned earlier would actually have an effect on them because of negative word of mouth? Yes, definitely. I, I Do you want to share so. the name of the company? Yeah, sure. Um, because of the nature of the marketing aspect i'm gonna i'm gonna talk about that as well the company was lg and lg is being considered as a high or they're trying to position themselves as a high-end appliance manufacturer so my experience was that between may 23rd when i signed up for their extended warranty my issue was not resolved until mid august or the second week of august so, so that's what, three, four months? Uh, two and a half months. Mm -hmm. So um, nobody, LG didn't give me any any means to talk to someone. All I could talk to was a customer rep, a customer service rep, who would say, do you want to accept this or not? And they sent, I think in total, I had five people visiting my place and five repair people. And they were unable to fix it ultimately. So first of all, all the people in my network stopped buying this. Uh, they are all seen, uh, at least one of them have told me I'm not going to buy this brand because because of what they did to you. I didn't want to bring the name up here, but now all your audiences are going to hear <laughs> about okay. that. And I told them many times, I want to talk to an executive, give me a line so that I can talk to someone and at least share my experience with them. And on the other hand, for a brand that is trying to position themselves as a high-end appliance brand, they have to give high-end services as well. They cannot take such negative experiences to be left out. So in the world that we currently live in, uh, which we know information gets transferred very quickly, and all it takes is a few people to post it on their social media and retweet it or repost it, firms need to take a a general approach, a holistic approach into how they want to market their products. They have to think about, they call it omni-channel, meaning that it doesn't matter what channel you're communicating with customers. Your brand is the perceptions that people would get from all these combined channels, whether it's your social media, whether it's the retailer that is selling your product, whether it's, whether it's your service person, 
uh, you ha- they have to all be consistent with each other. You cannot be a top brand without offering top services. So the idea that all comments, even negative ones, are good because at least you're getting your name out there, That's your research found that is not true. No, no, it's not good because, again, I went back and read the reviews online, and I think your readers may benefit from this because there are two types of reviews that you can see online. One is that I just bought this product. I love it. One is that I bought this product. I used it for three years. I used it for two years. Now this is what I think about it. So I recommend to your readers that when they are reading online reviews, don't just look at somebody who bought the product and the product came to their house. We all get excited when we buy something new. It's human nature. So some people would go up there and leave their comments, but also look at how much the person have had that product and what was their experience. Now, for the firms, it's challenging to find somebody who bought their product three years ago and make sure that that person leaves a comment. Um, because usually your interest has gone down after three years. I mean, You're used to it by now. Yeah, if I have my refrigerator working, that's how I want it to be. If it's not working, then it's something That's when major. there's a problem. Exactly. So maybe firms should think about how can they have their older customers, somebody who has been with them for a few years or has had their product for a few years, now leave comments for them. Professor Nijad, that's what I was going to ask you, if you can put your researcher hat back on right now. How can a company recover after it's been affected by negative word of mouth? I think they have to let people experience their products more. I had another research paper that was published last year. In that paper, we focused on an activity which we call it seeding. What seeding is, is to offer customers free products or offer them chances to experience your products. So basically what you do is that you give your product free to someone hoping that they would use it and they would tell others as well. And there has been many examples of highly successful seeding experiences. Some other companies just provide customers with chances to experience their products. For example, the test drives are part of that. Some of the companies, especially the car companies, have realized that back to the what we just discussed about your services have to match how you want your brand to be perceived. A lot of luxury cars nowadays give significant services, including replacement car, etc., for somebody who for just their regular maintenance services. And so they are hoping to kind of stir up more positive comments. Exactly. And the fact is that negative uh, word remains in the market for a long time. Usually, if you have a negative experience with a product, you would not go after that brand or that product for a very long time. But some firms have done a great job. Um, You can look at Apple. In there, they had a great 80s, they had a terrible 90s, and then after 2000, they completely changed perceptions about their brands. So they did a very good job. It's all a combination of um, the products you offer to people, the services that you offer, uh, managing the publicities that goes against or for you. And that's that's how it's not going to recover is not going to be in the very short term. You made a good point, um, Professor Nejad. You said perception about a brand. So I'm thinking in terms of something like Instagram, where you have people who are like the Kardashians who um, are pretty popular for just being popular. However, they have real power 
since one company can give one of the Kardashians something, the Kardashian takes a picture wearing it or holding it or using it, and everyone runs out or a lot of people run out and purchase this product, is that more influential than me and my group who might have this negative word of mouth, you know, on my Instagram page or on my Twitter feed? Which one weighs more? First of all, there are a few different things we have to keep in mind. One is that in marketing, perceptions are more important than what is uh, happening actually so and that's true in many different areas what i mean is that in engineering if you say the quality of this i don't know this product is good it means that for example it doesn't fail quickly or it has this speed but when you say like the quality of customer services was good i talk to i call a customer service number when I uh, hang up, I have my perceptions about that. Now, what the person does is one thing. My perceptions is going to be a different thing. And perceptions of people about different brands, different products has changed over time. Uh, back to the question of which one has more effect. In fact, our world is getting more and more complicated and more and more complex because the reality is that there's not just one influence. There are people are influenced by many different factors. Um, the, my son, who's eight years old, now realizes knows some brands. He and his friends talk about certain issues or certain products in their school. Now they know about apps. Uh, so it's getting very complicated. Um, we have different uh, type of influentials. And the influence that these groups may have on uh, consumers depends on the type of product, depends on their perceptions, on how you perceive that person. For example, talking about celebrities, if Kardashians are wearing a dress or are using, I don't know, a certain product, uh, that has a significant influence on, um, on what the teenagers are going to buy. If Michael Jordan is promoting a basketball shoe, then it has a tremendous effect on who's going to buy that shoe. But once you change the context, then it's going to be a different, a different types of influences. I'm not sure if Kardashians would be starting to promote a technological product or a um, different type of product, a medical product, for example. How much is that going to be influencing people? So, but then again, my smaller uh, group, my social group who are around me, whether online or face-to-face, for these groups is usually, um, probably it has a stronger effect, but it has a uh, smaller outreach. Whereas for those celebrities, a lot of people know them. And they usually um, advertise certain products, not everything. But it's different types of uh, influences. Different people influence in different ways. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Depending on the product as well. So, Professor, you helped to kind of change my mind about how marketing isn't all geared towards using the consumer. Um, but there are some marketing strategies that are not focused on the consumer as much as they are focused on themselves. So can you speak to that? Uh, yes. Um, first of all, I don't want to say that all marketers are positive. Of course, there are in every industry, there are uh, 
good practices that are not practices that are not so good and not recommended. But the bottom line is that because of the interdisciplinary nature of marketing, whereas we have to look at many different things, some areas of marketing are related to psychology. So marketing is in a unique position to help people feel better, things like happiness, and things like how can we make people's lives become better? We have a center here at Fordham University called a center for positive marketing, which is focusing on how we can use marketing for better and for betterment of, of people. Um, so with that in mind, it is, again, it's difficult to say, you cannot say in every industry you have, you know, positive and not so positive areas. But the, the concept of marketing is much broader than just simply advertising sales trying to take um, trying to sell something to people that they probably don't need or don't want it. It goes back to everything that goes into developing a new product and introducing that product in the market. All the strategies that firms have to consider and have to adopt in order to get where they want to get. I'd like to thank my guest, Dr. Mohamed Neja, an assistant professor of marketing at Fordham University's Gabelli School of Business. I'd also like to thank my producer, Andrew Millman. You can friend Fordham Conversations on Facebook. You can follow us on Twitter and catch up on shows you've missed with our weekly podcast. For WFUV's Fordham Conversations, I'm Robin Shannon. Let's go shopping, let's go shopping, let's go shopping, you and me. The candy store. Here we go. The cake shop. Here we go. The bookstore. Shopping you.